0: Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. This show is produced by The Powell Group, the leading business consulting firm in the game industry. Visit us online at indiegame.business to get your free pass to our next digital event coming December 8th, 9th, and 10th, where you'll have more great sessions you can participate in for free. And inexpensive passes to our industry-leading digital business to business meeting system. Also make sure to donate to Extra Life. We've got a link down below in the description or you can even join the Indie Game Business Extra Life team. That link is down in the description as well. Here we go, Indie Game Business. Hello, Uh, welcome.
1: This channel. Uh, My name is Chell Wong, and I'm a freelance composer. uh, And today, uh, well, actually, a few weeks ago, I I actually came onto the show and talked about freelancing. And Jay asked me to talk more about freelancing. But instead of just me saying the exact same stuff again, I decided to ask uh, some of my fabulous friends from all across the different fields of industry who freelance have experience in freelancing. uh, What kind of advice they have about how to succeed in freelancing during this pandemic era? And so without further ado, uh, let me ask uh, Laura, Johnny, Alvier, and Akash to introduce themselves. Um, I guess in that order.
2: All right. Hi, I'm Laura Underwater. I am a freelance concept artist currently in Toronto, Canada. I've done a lot of work with board games, card games, tabletop, and currently I am now working with a production company on a video series that is yet to be announced.
3: Um, so my name is Jonathan Jennings. I'm a software engineer and game designer. Uh, I work. I've just started. I re-entered the freelance market recently. Um, I've been programming games and uh, designing games for about nine years. Um, and I've worked with Sony, DreamWorks, uh, Coke, um, a bunch of companies on a bunch of stuff. I've specialized in uh, AR and VR right now. And um, yeah, that's about it. Uh, I'm Zolivir
4: Nelson Jr. I'm a freelance narrative director and uh, studio head uh, with my name attached to like over 50 titles. I I I work a lot and I'm very tired. Uh, And I too have freelanced during this pandemic, and most Uh of my professional experience comes from freelancing, contracting of various kinds. And um, one area in which I might be able to help during this thing is I'm now on the other side of the, the. uh divide where i'm now hiring freelancers and figuring out from that end what the dynamics are
5: nice my name is akash Dakar. i am a sound designer for games i've been doing this for about 11 years now purely as a freelancer and i've worked on games like hyperlight drifter destiny concrete genie and tons of other stuff and one of my favorite things to do is to help people with the business side of creating art and making stuff so i'm happy to be here and chat
1: All right, well, I suppose without further ado, uh, my first question is, uh, how have you found the transition into the digital video conference age? Um, This is now coming on our second year and though we have vaccines starting to slowly roll out and really slowly in some places like where I'm from, um, we're still very much in a digital era. So I I guess I will ask Akash first, Uh, how have you found the transition to video conference now?
5: Yeah, so for me, this is me personally, I love it because I'm extreme introvert to like the most ludicrous degree. Like if I take a Myers-Briggs test, Myers-Briggs themselves comes through the screens like dog, you know what you are. You know you're an I. Like come on, dog. Like you don't have to take this test. Um so I personally love it because it in a fun way kind of forces networking and makes it a little easier. For example, when you show up to a conference and it's a room of people just chatting, as opposed to hanging outside the circle, waiting for a chance to laugh at a joke that you recognize, hoping that they'll acknowledge you and let you into the circle and that you can talk to people. They're forced to talk to you. It rules. You're just there staring at them in the face. It whips. So yes, I've personally found it really great. And I found it easier to follow up with people because those groups tend to be a little bit smaller in those kind of breakout sorts of rooms. But that's me personally.
1: All right. And here I am staring at four other faces. Uh, I guess (laughs) who else? Does anyone else want to go next in particular? Otherwise, I'm going to call on people. I I think that one really interesting aspect
4: about this digital conferencing age is the struggle to make the events feel special. Uh, What was once a thing where people would travel, they'd get a hotel, maybe you would uh share a hotel with people that you, maybe you didn't know, you just found them on Twitter. Uh-huh. You roll the dice there. <laughs> uh the dynamics of going to a place to do a thing centralized a lot of industry thought uh and a lot of industry networking in in negative as well as positive ways it was very easy feeling outside of a lot of circles but it also meant that if you were present at all you had a level of access and potential partnership and collaboration set up and freelance opportunities that you would not have otherwise gdc 2018 was responsible for a not insignificant amount amount of like the rest of my career and with that in mind it's interesting finding that since digital conferencing is the equivalent of, it's in the same tab or browser window though you would use to watch Netflix. There is this struggle now to make that feel as important as something that you went hundreds of miles to participate in and right. to congregate uh, around with a number of other people. Uh-huh. And I'm not sure if there is really a way to counterbalance that outside of uh, stop gaps uh, and, wonderful things that indie game business is doing, such as meet to match or bespoke solutions, uh, mm-hmm. such as the one used for roguelike celebration last year to try to get some amount of that tangibility back. Mm-hmm.
2: I think it's also kind of put a huge um, push on physical health just at home, because I mean, at, when you're at work, you're um, you're on conference all day, you then have to be on the computer working all day you could be sitting for you know eight, nine, 10 hours straight. And at least at the office, you'd be standing up, walking around, talking to people, getting like, even just um, getting on the subway, trying to get there, going out for lunch, like walking around. It's amazing how much you just need to stop for 10 minutes, get up, walk around the apartment and come back
1: right.
4: Right. To, to riff on that point. There's a similar thing that i found with a lot of freelancers, especially when they're starting out their careers this this anxiety of how do I fill eight hours in a day? And the secret is. Most people working office jobs don't work eight hours. You're getting up. You're getting a drink. You're going to the bathroom. There's all these little bits and pieces and slices of time which are easy to uh, lose track of but add up to. Your eight-hour workday was probably around a five- or four-hour workday. Uh, But when you're stranded at home, it's easy to try to compress your brain space to fill an eight-hour space and thereby – achieve a target that you never would have hit in the first place
5: mm-hmm.
3: uh, and
4: burn yourself out that way
3: mm-hmm. yeah and i would say like uh for me i i'm still adjusting to like screens being my dominant way to have social experiences like basically all my communication happens through a screen now um, and, but I will say the counterpoint to that is I, I know for me, I've had way more meetings with people globally this year than I've ever had in my life. So I had a meeting with a man from Brazil just a few hours ago, right? And that's not something I've experienced before this, um, but I've had so many conversations with so many people uh, globally. And I, I definitely think that's been, um, it's, I think it's been good. I think it's uh, it's just the world feels smaller and bigger at the same time.
1: Oh, totally! I I mm-hmm. absolutely agree with you on the on point because like everything that I do is in this room. But mm-hmm. I've also met—I mean, I've met most of you online. I'm actually only half of you. But the point is, I've made—I've met all these people from around the world. So that's one benefit I find to the uh, things going online. Um, and I guess to Xavier's previous point, um, have you about working in office at least? But have any of you ever worked as an employee? And if yes, how does freelancing differ from it? what does one need to do differently to succeed as a freelancer opposed to as an employee?
3: Um, So I just finished like a a full-time role and uh, definitely I think the big difference between freelancing and full-time roles to me was just um, you have a lot more. So Nelson makes a really good point about having like lots of empty spots of time you don't really consider. And I would say that kind of in that same, I almost, I guess the opposite of that really is that with the contracting work um, that I've done, it kind of seems like smaller amounts of time to communicate and get points across and uh, understand what the task and the goal is, but maximizing what we do within that time. So maybe we only have 15, 20 minutes, but really making sure that 15, 20 minutes I get a list of the things I can do for either the next few days or the next week or what have you. Um, so really kind of maximizing what kind of uh, what I learn and what we discuss in that amount of time versus, you know, with uh, at a studio job, I might we have an hour long meeting where we don't talk about much like it's a really ineffective meeting. But um, uh, that's just more typical when you do work in that kind of environment. So.
1: Yeah, I resonate with the meetings. Uh, mm-hmm. have any of else uh, have any of you also worked as employees in companies before? All right. Well, let's move on then. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I just figured that this is helpful. I, I know Akash hasn't, so yeah. um mm-hmm. let's see. Da, da, da. What kind of preparation do you need to do in order to find work? And how has that preparation changed during COVID?
5: Ooh, there's a lot to that. <sighs> Uh, okay, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll start with one thing, but I'm sure there's trillions of points. Uh, one thing to kind of think about just broadly when it comes to finding work, doing work, whatever, as a freelancer, is that every freelancer, regardless of what they do or make, is a business. And there's a divide in the thinking with a lot of people of like, oh, I'm really good at whatever thing. Therefore, the work will come. But a business thinks in systems, which means it's a replicatable process for every single thing that you do. So when you need to do X, you just follow Y steps and you get Z result. So every time Apple needs to make an iPhone, they know exactly what steps they need to do to make that thing. There will be some innovation and messiness along the way, but that's how they think. And when it comes to thinking of clients or getting work or doing something, having some sort of process that we can follow. It doesn't have to be completely perfect of I'm going to send this email to this person, but it can be the sort of thing of, okay, I am going to network in these sorts of circles to get this kind of work with these kinds of people in these realms. And as soon as you start thinking like that more and more, those things become more replicatable. You can find more work reliably. You can think about who your target is, who you're actually wanting to get work from because it avoids the whole, I'll work with anyone, which means no one wants you sort mm. of uh, messiness that tends to happen with a lot of freelancers and hasn't changed for COVID, honestly, for me personally, it's just mm. been the same sort of goings on. Everything's just slower. That's the main thing that's changed.
4: I think one of my favorite processes for this was described by Eric Sterp. Uh, and I don't know if he discussed this publicly, but it's not under NDA or anything, but um, he now is a writer at Epic Games on Fortnite. And for a while, he was the most prolific freelance writer I knew. And we were uh, talking around the table at one point, I said, so how does that process work for you? Again, just like a, to a cautious point, because it needs to be a process. It needs to be something that can be replicable and something that you can pursue. And he said, I treated it like a part of my workday. as if I was opening up the newspaper and looking through job listings. I would look at Kickstarters that were being funded. I'd look at new uh, studio Twitters. I would just go down this list of places for an hour or two a day, treat it as part of my business day. And I just send a, just a quick message of like, Hey, if you need a writer, uh, I'm really good. Here's examples of what I've done. And I would love to chat if you have needs and his success rate with that kind of knocking on doors approach uh cold calling of course speaks not uh to just to his talent but also to his foresight and identifying the needs and clients and i think that is the the one part i could speak to as far as um going off of his process and then describing my own a huge piece that can be easy to miss as a freelancer is just identifying where the work is if you love a certain type of uh, esoteric uh, narrative construction, and those jobs don't pop up often, your choice is to either create the situation for yourself and become known as the person who does that, which I've seen pursued successfully, or to broaden to where the work actually might be. And determining yeah, doing the due diligence like a business of research to make your creativity a process that you can follow um, as a profession is
1: critical. All right, um, Laura or Johnny, do you have anything to add on this?
3: Um, I, I guess I would just, I mean, to the same point, I know when uh, whenever I, like, I update my resume or figure out how to write new um descriptions of like the kind of work I offer and whatnot, I usually look at the job market and kind of see what kind of jobs exist. And then based on that, okay, this is what I do within the space. This is kind of what people are looking for. And then kind of build my, my sales pitch of myself around what the market's already looking for, if that makes sense. Yeah.
2: And I guess just to I mean, piggyback off yeah. of that, considering uh, I'm a, very much in a uh, visual field compared mm-hmm. to like the writing and, um, Your guys' fields, it's really tempting to either be super niche or so broad that you can do everything. Which there's an idea you can, you need to do one or the other, but the idea is to kind of take your what your strength is and give a little bit of weight, leeway one way so you can have a slightly like one style going into another, going to another. So that way you can market yourself as, okay, well, this is like where I am and this is what I can do. It's not just one thing, it's you know, these five things Mm. and. Sometimes that means, you know, changing a style slightly. Sometimes that means going completely, but it really means that you need to be flexible, but not so much that you do not have your own identity.
1: Hmm. So I guess uh, speaking about marketing yourself and having this identity, uh, how much time do you spend uh, networking or having an online presence? And has that amount changed during the pandemic?
2: It has changed a lot from the pandemic, at least for me, because I mean, there's a lot. um, I think Akash was saying, like, you know, I've had a lot more meetings with people like all over the world now. And Mm -hmm. like, that's been a huge boost to marketing. It's Mm -hmm. also, um, I think I spend probably like two, three, four hours at least every couple of days just going online, checking places out, talking Mm -hmm. to people. I mean, uh, mean, networking itself, I think probably takes like 10 hours of my week.
3: For sure. Mm Yeah, and I would agree with that. I definitely think like I and I was pretty active online even before the pandemic and everything. But I, I think I'm online over 100 percent more. Right. Like it's just between, um, you know, from like our. Um, Friday networking things in the game industry gathering to um, just um, occasional like responding to things on Twitter. Um, I've been approached for like mentoring opportunities um, and just I've kind of seen people more responsive to the online, um, the online stuff that I have up there already. Like so my LinkedIn and my portfolio are probably the two main sources of interest for jobs for me and I've been approached quite a few times for opportunities just because somebody sees that my profile exists on a website and so uh that number's gone up dramatically and I've had quite a few meetings just to just to kind of consult on that type of stuff so um so yeah my my networking's gone up substantially too
1: I'm really happy to hear that you've been like approached for consulting and things and mentorships Mm -hmm. that's really exciting to hear Johnny thank you yeah (laughs)
5: it's funny my networking has so okay so obviously we all know networking is important don't ignore that it is so important make stuff talk to people most people forget the second part of being a freelancer of talking to people I hate I hate I I hate it. I t- remember what I said about my like the Mars breaks That like I, you don't you don't understand. Like the bar fills beyond one hundred percent for introvert. Like my screen cracks. Uh, <laughs> but it has been. I have been talking to people and networking so much more during COVID times than I ever did before. Because like like what you're saying before is you know those events were so important when they're in person, like GDC or something like that. It was like, there's a thing so I could be like, okay, I can just build up, I can ramp up, I can like take all my vitamin gummies and then Mm -hmm. just charge up for this one week and then just forget about it for a little bit. Uh, But now it's like this constant churn more so than it ever has been before. And I don't actually mind it, I actually kind of like it, but I am on things that like my main thing is Instagram. I am on there far more than I ever have been talking to people i never knew existed and probably never would have seen at a gdc ever because it's so inaccessible to them because they're so far away in san francisco cost 10 million dollars to stay for an hour so it is kind of nicer honestly i'm seeing people that like artists and creatives that i never would have found Mm -hmm. as long as i stay on that i found that to be very effective but like you've somewhat met like laura was mentioning it's like 10 hours a week it's this kind of slow constant burn of networking as opposed to big kind of sparks throughout my year in terms of
4: longevity as a freelancer i'm i'm finding myself at least thinking about those slow burns a lot more so maintaining online presence talking about the things you're you're doing and networking is a burn uh the big burn that no one tells you about is like admin taxes uh dealing with uh invoicing uh, all, all of those little time chunks to do all of the creative bits, those are a burn communicating with your clients so that you can do the work that you get paid for that's burn. And with all those things burning away, it's very easy to lose track. I find with, um, our online presence, main maintenance, uh, how your burn is extending in that direction. Because as you mentioned, uh, you have if you have one week a year or you've got a couple of events, those are things you can prepare for. Those are things you can you can those you those are things you can say for that week, I'm not going to think about the W9 or W A B N that someone still has to give to me so that the IRS doesn't hunt me down. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes.
4: Uh, now that's just always so I'm finding myself having to do much more spur of the
1: moment, uh, energy juggling to accommodate for it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny because uh, when you mentioned like admin stuff, like all five of us are just like, Oh man, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it is. It's really easy. <laughs> Has to... anyone here done their taxes yet? Me, Me.
4: Well, that's a... congratulations. <laughs> the,
5: two, the two Canadians of the group follow the rules. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> hey, 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 ours is
1: in a month.
3: <laughs>
1: um, but I, I, I was gonna say um i think for for a lot of people it, it's really easy to think about as, as someone who's freelancing like you feel like you need to be able to produce work all the time and because you have like more time than other people because you might not have as many as many jo- like you know jobs or like, you're not working as regularly but clearly admin managing clients client tracking all that stuff takes up a lot of time. Whoa, um, and <laughs> and of course, uh, networking and having an online presence it takes up time. So, I, I mean, like tactically, scrolling through Twitter is considered work if you're a freelancer. Um So, scroll um, tactically is the lesson here. Tactically, That's good. I like that. Tactically, um, and, and also for online, you all know that I have like 15 hours every week of face-to-face yes. online time with people. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, how do you deal with setbacks? Um, I can only imagine that there were so many setbacks during the pandemic where potential things may have fallen through and uh, how do you deal with that sort of thing?
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Grennan Barrett, grit your teeth. <laughs> oh God, no! It's because I mean I'm sure all of us have had you know things that happened. I mean, of course, all of us were planning to go to probably DDC, going to places, meeting with people, and part of it is realizing that it's out of your control. Part of it is um, maybe having to go back and talk to people who you worked with before and say like, Hey, you know, I'm in a bit of a bind. Do you have anybody or do you have any advice for me? Like, it's really trying to work on the connections you have and being realizing that you're not in this alone, I guess, is one way to do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Right. Yeah. I tend to like investigate very much. Like I try to investigate what I felt went wrong. And then I try to investigate how I contributed to that or how I could have intervened, or how, um, how I could have addressed it differently. And then just kind of like mentally dissecting it. I try to figure out how to, consider that situation the next time uh, a similar situation arises and how I can handle it better that next time. Um, and so, yeah, it's just kind of plain detective work with whatever the setback was and kind of figure out how I can deal with me so that I can handle it that much better the next time um, I'm presenting with the situation. Laura
5: hit on something really, really cool, which is, you know, like hitting up previous mm-hmm. people that you've talked to about like, right. hey, I, you got anything? eh? It it can work. It can work surprisingly well. And sometimes it's kind of scary to reach out to someone you haven't talked to in like two years or something mm-hmm. to, to to ask for something. Right. One thing I'd recommend with people who are in that bind, who are like, I know this person, but I mm-hmm. don't yeah. want to get like I'm I'm in a bind for work, is actually be direct about it. Like it, it's really common to see people do this thing on Twitter, Instagram DMs, whatever, just like email, like, hey, how are you doing? Like you don't care how they're doing. You want work mm-hmm. from them. So what I recommend you do when you're like, thinking about that is don't have the false pretense. Write a message that says like, hey, if you remember, like you can give them a reminder if it's been a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd love to see if you need any help with X, Y, Z and then follow up with the pleasantries after. I love it when people reverse the order of their mm-hmm. ask and be like, oh, hey, uh, I need XYZ. i Z. I'm looking for X, Y, Z. Do you know anyone or are you? do you have anything right now? By the way it was great getting tea with you at gdc last year i can't wait to do it again it's so much more authentic when you're asking people like Mm -hmm. that as opposed to like how you doing i'm good work please like that's (laughs) terrible just be direct about it and and for the people who are in the in the situation where maybe they don't have the network maybe they don't have that kind of starting point where they where they already have people that they can talk to from previous eras that's fine that's completely normal as a freelancer Uh, Be it's okay to like tweet and ask people about like, hey, I I, I am doing XYZ, I'm currently looking for work, or asking people you know who may not be looking for work or or may not be looking to hire you right now, you can simply ask, do you know anyone who is looking for XYZ? That's Mm -hmm. an okay question to ask. And honestly, sometimes they'll say, oh, me, 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 I'm looking for that, please, come on board. So it's okay to make those ask. I don't think anyone ever gets offended as long as you're polite about it.
4: Polite uh, politeness and authenticity are mm-hmm. such great points. I'm glad you brought those up. The one other uh, thing I would raise around this is to, if at all be po- uh, if it is at all possible, be a multi project
5: mm-hmm. studio.
4: Mm-hmm. Be a multi project person. Mm-hmm. The most stable job will fall through. The dream project yes. will eventually end your most mm-hmm. uh stable client will in m- many cases be yourself so mm-hmm. if at all possible make sure you have even if it feels a little bit like a tight wire act which it is especially if you're in a country without nationalized health care mm-hmm. if you can <laughs> take <stay> on multiple <laughs> projects at once just so that you have the safety net for when the bad day occurs or when the good day happens, when you ship and it's just a matter of what happens next. Mm -hmm. If there's always a ball rolling, you never have to look for the next
0: ball. Mm -hmm. Sign up today for the Indie Game Business Newsletter. It's a weekly source of business news curated for indie dev teams. We've got discounts on all Indie Game Business events and events from all of our partners. You get a first look at the summaries and takeaways from all of our podcasts. There is exclusive opportunities for promotions and early access to new tools for development, monetization, and more. Check it out. Sign up. PowellGroupConsulting.com slash publisher list.
2: And yeah, you know, just to go off of that, it doesn't have to be a huge ball either. It could be like something really small, like okay, well, this is only like a two-month contract, or even like this, I'm working with these guys for three weeks. Yeah. It's still somebody you've worked with, and you can create a rapport with, mm-hmm. and it's still somebody you can say, oh, well, this is now part of my, this is part of my network, and it's still, like you said, it is still something else that's going to happen if, say, your contract gets canceled. Mm-hmm. So,
1: yeah, this has all been a uh, really, really helpful advice, uh, and bouncing off of something that Xavier said about um, having projects on the side like i know that um there are studios that are like work for hire and a lot of them are constantly juggling between clients and make a lot of prototypes sometimes they work on their own things but a lot of times they spend time hunting for contacts with larger studios that might need help uh, and similarly uh, this can be done on a one-on-one level people sometimes do skill trading where uh, mm-hmm. i'll do something for you if you do something for me and sometimes that just feels a lot healthier and happier than just kind of scrambling for things and it feels like you're really helping each other out in an authentic way and sometimes i mm-hmm. might lead to work so mm-hmm. totally
4: and, the, the uh, best way to to find work as a freelancer which is heartbreaking but the best way to find work as a freelancer is to be seen doing work yes, With yes. the freelancers i know who are most often getting jobs or are passing on jobs to others are the ones who quote unquote don't need the work mm-hmm. and that is because of the dynamics of uh human beings we see we, we see we see someone doing something really cool or something that jumps to mind first or just comes across our feed and we're like oh shiny want that uh other people want this so clearly i want this as well so the more you even establish for the small projects for the skills uh trading a Reputation of finishing things, making things happen, and being a person
1: who does things, it puts you in a position to do more things.
4: Mm-hmm. Right.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Doing things. Always be doing things. But not, mm-hmm. maybe not always, but doing things a lot of times can help. <laughs> um one of my favorite questions to ask people is uh this is my go-to question. If you could give yourself uh, if you could give yourself advice uh from two years ago, what would you tell yourself? Mm-hmm.
5: There's going to be a pandemic, watch out. <laughs> Fair. Fair. So there's this company called GameStop. The stock looks low
4: right now. <laughs> it's
0: going to be fine. Oh, that's great.
4: I think in all seriousness, one one major thing that jumps to my mind as far as something I would want to tell myself is uh, the drought ends. Mm it is very easy to feel us even after like high points that like, Oh God, it's never going to happen again.
3: Right.
4: Often, if anything, especially if your freelance career is maturing and, and rolling around smoothly, there will always be something else. So if you put yourself in a position to be destroyed or to like jump after the next thing, cause you're so scared of it falling through the drought ends. Keep, keep working. Right.
5: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. i think for me it's uh for me specifically it's chill Uh, i'm very much a very driven and also very adhd person i'm like i'm just gonna do everything and i just go nuts uh but i've noticed an interesting thing and this is actually kind of thanks to the pandemic is the difference in results between going all out all the time and then doing not as much all out but still getting stuff done is negligible. Like it, there's the results are pretty much the exact same. In fact, in a lot of cases when I'm chilling, they're better. Yeah. So that is definitely something I would push for people because it's easy. Like we were kind of talking about to do 24 seven cause you're right. at the office all the time.
2: Yeah, Right. Yep. I think my would be, don't be afraid to feel awkward and don't be afraid to like come up and say, like, just, just say hello to somebody and introduce yourself. like. You are going to feel awkward and it doesn't matter how old you are or when you do it, you're still going to feel awkward, but you're still going to get through it. And you're still going to be able to say, oh, I met this person. And now I'm and I now have a friend or now I know not to talk to this person. I don't know. Right.
3: Right. Um, I guess I would say just I had to learn how to be patient with myself to kind of piggyback off of a cautious point, because uh, like, like you said, I, I'm used to like delivering at a certain rate and I get this done, and I get this done. And there's been some days during the pandemic, I wake up and I do not feel like myself, right? And so I had to learn like, okay, like it's okay if you don't, if you're not maximum productivity in the morning, that's okay. Give yourself some time, do a little bit of work, like try do as much as you can, but don't try to force the issue. Cause I think I've had a few nights where I tried to like okay, I had to get this thing done and I was a wreck the next day, right? And so I just like learning to be patient and kind of working with myself because it's, it's a hard time and like it's learning how to deal with a version of me that exists in this hard time, right?
1: Mm-hmm. One thing I always tell people, it is okay to not be okay. We are right. in a global pandemic. right? The world is kind of not okay right now and it is okay to not be okay. And taking the time to take care of yourself Opposed to doing work, and God, as a freelancer, I'm sure you're all very aware of. Like, I gotta be doing work. It's okay to take the time <laughs> yeah. to making sure that your your body and your health and all that stuff is is okay. Just right. a reminder to all of you out there. Um, so, uh, one question that I have is uh, partially because I specifically want to find various people from different uh, fields of game development, and so uh, I'm audio, but I'm moderating this panel, so I asked Akash to join. Um, and I know that, um, Laura does art, Johnny, you do coding, right? And and Nelson, I know you do a lot of writing and apparently everything under the sun, (laughs)
2: Uh,
1: but I guess what advice do you have? That's maybe specific to your field.
3: I, so I guess for me, like, uh, especially as a programmer, like I, there's, I've met a lot of people who really poo poo soft skills, but the amount of times a project has avoided catastrophe because I asked one question, right? Like we could have spent weeks going down this road or I could ask a question now and we actually go down the road we wanna go. It, it's it's valuable. So um, communication matters and it even asking the stupidest questions have had tremendous benefit for the project. So. Um, just communicate, talk, ask questions. Like,
1: I can't believe you know someone that's poo-pooed on soft skills. I'm like, what? Oh,
3: <laughs> yeah.
5: yeah. How dare. It's,
4: it's one benefit of freelancers, right? Because like we exist based off of needing to have soft skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just looking like a soft marshmallow and saying,
2: please hire me. <laughs> <laughs> I, need, I need to buy firewood. Um...
4: <laughs> with 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 narrative in particular the one major thing i would tell narrative designers is it's not your job to save a project like freely this applies to freelancers in general but like for narrative people and for writers a lot of your job is to be glue to hold the project to to bind disparate pieces of project together and present to the player uh, the ideal vision for what this p- project is supposed to be in association with the, the people who have that vision, which is often not you, it's your stakeholders, it's the creative director, it's the uh, development team, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you know what? There's going to be projects that are frankly doomed. There's going to be projects that are deeply troubled or where people don't know what they want. There's going to be projects that for whatever reason, you're – ability to put together good words and to have a strong sense of storytelling, even if only for, for reasons of constraints, right? Budget, time, desire, and buying of team. That isn't going to come to pass. You're going to deal with a game that is lesser. And this is part of where the cushioning of having multiple projects comes in. Because you know what? It's a lot harder to feel the deep, desperate heartbreak of what a game could be if... Once you uh, have the heartbreak portion of your day, you go to the other thing and you say, okay, this isn't the last project. This is not what I will be remembered for, for eternity. Uh, as long as you are doing your due diligence to, to do the best job you can, and you're invoicing them promptly, mm-hmm. everything, everything is going to turn out the way it's going to turn out. You, can't, you often cannot and are not responsible for saving a project, so don't take that on yourself. That's fascinating.
5: It's really good. Yeah. I think for audio, I would say, considering for sound and music, it's really, it's less visual than a lot of other mediums. Like, you know, Laura can show art on Instagram and people like, oh my God, it's so good. And I'm always jealous of artists for that. I'm so jealous because you just post a thing on Twitter and everyone's so happy. But like, it's so hard to be like, here's a wave like that's just not it's a so thing it's so much harder it's <laughs> so much harder
3: so much <laughs> so easier hey.
5: i'm sure it has its own challenges for sure but the the intangibility of music and sound is kind of a weird thing to be able to share with people because it's one of the mediums that takes place over time so it's like hey listen to this three minute song no one has three minutes to like go and listen mm-hmm. to like your track when they're just doom scrolling through twitter they've got more anxiety to induce on themselves they have more important <laughs> things to do so What I recommend people do who are in the audio space is don't be afraid to think of the way you share whatever it is you're doing, music, sound, voiceover, anything like that as a performance. Like for example, Mm. I'll post videos of me recording the dumbest stupid shit I can find. That's fun for people, even though they're not sound people, too. Like, I'm not just appealing to sound people. Developers like, you did a watermelon and you recorded it. I'm like, yes, money, please. Thank you. But it's true. Like, that does appeal to people because there's a bit of a performative aspect to it. Yes, I am actually recording that thing. And yes, that is actually what I do for my job is record watermelons and then ask for money. That is a part of it. But you want to be able to show that off for audio specifically in a really fun way that makes it so it crosses the gap between just audio people understanding it, which can be, which is a good thing. And having it so that other people who could potentially hire you understand like, that's a really neat way you made that track. How fun you're hired, or I'm at least interested in talking to you. Think of it that way. I mean, you say
4: this about, here's a wave. What about, here's a section of a Word doc, that's by the way, oh. NDA, <laughs> welcome, okay. here's an even harder. Redacted. But yeah, that's a really good Lord. point. Because as as a writer, like this partially defined, I I, I love absurdity and uh, and and turning performance into, it, turning the creation of the thing into performance and something entertaining in itself. Right. But like freelancing was a huge part of aligning my sensibilities to go so hard into that element because. As a writer, it is really difficult to be like, here's this lovely plot structure that
3: (laughs) unifies all these uh,
4: (laughs) segments of the game. Really important work is going to raise the review score of this game by like two points when that proposal goes through and finishes and when the game is done. But there's nothing to take picture of there unless you attach a bunch of logos of the game and like of disparate sections that they allow you to share – on the Pepe Silvia meme from It's Always Cutting. <laughs> Suddenly, you've got a freelance pitch right there. You're a genius. That's all <laughs> of your kind of genius.
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, or oh. I, I haven't heard yet from you about, um. I guess, what advice can you offer for art or maybe specifically concept art?
2: Yeah, I think the one thing I've kind of learned is that a lot of artists will get into sort of like the bubble of this is what they are influenced by and that is only what they are influenced by. I think my advice is don't just focus on games, go out, like broaden your horizons a lot because um, like there's so much you can find from history and art from like going out like music or even just like films. There's a lot of ideas that, you know, if you're in games, you only work in games and you only do art that's based in games, which that is so not true. Cause I've done work for like weddings, I've done stuff with like things like that, but like all of this stuff can come back and help you out in certain ways. So it's you need to kind of just be able to be open to the world around you and just take influence from everything. Because if you're stuck just in video games, you are going mm-hmm. to hit a dead end sooner rather than later.
1: Dang. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. That's, That's some good advice. Oh, yeah.
1: Have an open mind about various avenues and where your road can take you. Mm-hmm. Um now most of you apparently have only done freelancing for about the majority of your career and that is more or less the majority of my career as all well. but i did have a period where i was salaried for some time and i noticed that there were some differences and there are definitely some positives and some negatives to both um i guess uh from do you plan on staying as a freelancer uh johnny i know that you don't do it as much nowadays mm-hmm. but for those of you for I guess if you have any advice to people trying to pivot out of freelancing, uh, what would you tell them?
5: Why would you ever stop? <laughs> <laughs> I can go to the gym at 2 p.m. on a Tuesday. Job security is why. Steady pay is why. Here's the, thing. The, the pay isn't steady. Right. We just
1: had a giant layoff at Hardsuit Labs. Wow, well, that's true. I mean, yeah, I got laid off.
5: <laughs> we shouldn't be laughing at that <laughs> we,
1: we, we,
4: we, we, we laugh from deep pain that's right. where this comes from right. so like this the secret is like outside of there being some uh from some particularities like health insurance uh the job security of a salary job is not uh an incredible mm-hmm. uh and it's not an incredible guarantee what it is important is to define is like quite simply like does freelancing work with your brain if freelancing yeah. doesn't work with your brain if you don't want to go to the gym at two if if, if that is not a particularity of <laughs> what make of what brings you joy and helps you to work better then stay in a salary job and if you're looking to transition out of uh freelance one Thing that I see being incredibly valuable is utilize your freelance contacts mm-hmm. to get that job because it can feel like cheating to ask for like, hey, can you uh, can you submit this resume internally? Can you whatever? You know what? We have a majority, uh, minority, uh, marginalized dev panel, so I'll say this: white people do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> So you take your resume and you take the context that you build up through doing your good work and you start yep, knocking on those doors. Like, hey, do you know someone who's hiring for a salary position? Can you put me uh, – can I skip the recruiter part of this process and find a way to directly contribute to this organization sooner than later? Because you know what? A lot of times the hiring manager these positions. They want the direct referral. They want the person who's just going to step in and be great, and if anything, already knows people on the
5: team.
3: Right.
5: Be that person. Be the answer to their question.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah. No one mm-hmm. likes hiring ever.
3: Mm-hmm. It's co-
5: it's costly, time consuming, and it takes away employee resources. But so, like you were saying, Xavier, there's like so many times where I see people who start off freelance get that AAA job that they've wanted to because of the freelancing they did, and not despite right. it or in spite of it it really yeah. works mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. It's referrals. It's referrals. Yes. Okay. get of those connections networking goes back to networking but likewise <laughs> i guess if you're freelancing and you're trying to stay in freelancing, it's still networking
3: right
2: video games is just networking that's the only thing we do
1: yes <laughs> y'all know i network <laughs>
5: <laughs> we're lucky to be in an industry where that's like most people are pretty cool and fun and nice. Yeah. Uh, everyone I talk to who's a film composer, is, like even if they're 20, they look like they're 300 years old because <laughs> they're, like they're, <laughs> their face is just melting because everyone in film is just so mean and they are, but like, it's just great. We are very lucky to be in an industry where you could like, as Olivier can post like Pepe Sylvia memes on Twitter and get work from it, which is the most delicious, <laughs> just amazing. I ended up
4: working on Rains. I, I, as a joke, mainly for my followers, I did, I, I pitched uh, on Twitter, purple Rains, which was a biopic of uh, Prince. And then a year later, they wow. DM'd me and said, hey, so uh, we're, we were when you sent that joke pitch to us publicly on Twitter. Whole bit out of it, uh, we were in the middle of planning our interstellar rock band music simulator wow. game. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you want to be the writer for Range Beyond, and I said, "Yeah, I guess I already got the
3: job." I nailed it. Yeah. <laughs>
5: <laughs> but you, you think... hit on a really cool point right there where it took a year, right? Like, you don't know yeah, that that man. was going to happen. Sometimes that's this stuff true. takes time, but you made the thing, you shared it, however stupid it was, and right. people are like, okay, you're hired. Let me turn that
1: off. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I love
1: you, Nelson, you yeah,
4: mad man That's why I also say the drought ends, right? Because right. it's that you don't know the thing a year ago, the seed that got planted, that's going to grow
2: back up. Right. Like, you also don't know what the hell's going to like plant that seed either. like It could be a right. meme, it could be this one piece you did is like a, right. you know, like completely off the, off the cuff. It could be your work from yeah. before. So it really is just right. creating things really does post them, put them in places right. where people can see. Right. And put that, yourself
4: in a position to survive.
2: Yeah. Long then,
4: enough to get that next thing. Oh, sorry.
3: Uh, no, no. And the networking as well, right? Like I've had conversations that's like, oh, I thought I was just hanging high to this person. And then a few months later, it's like, oh, somebody's working on this thing. Would you be interested? And of course, right? But it's just one small conversation that blossoms into like an actual gig or opportunity. Mm
1: -hmm. Now, uh, for all of you hearing this, if you think this all does, not like if this all sounds familiar and you're like, is is there anything else? There's no magic bullet. It's just a matter of time and patience and constantly getting your work out there and networking. And if you're doing all that, you're on the right path and golly there are some hard droughts there are some times where you can just not for life if you find work and that's okay that's part of being a freelancer and so as a, just a quick aside if if you find that that's a problem that you have to go through make sure that you charge for enough that you can last <laughs> during those droughts charge money yes also you're charging for a lot of your invisible time it's a mm-hmm. it's a time of
4: I'm talking to my clients, I'm invoicing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Your rate is not going to be the same as if you were in a salaried position where there's all of these invisible cushions that are not being accounted for.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Wait,
1: well, oh, sorry. Keep
4: going.
2: Oh, I'll just say, if you're just starting off freelancing, more than likely, you are not charging enough. Just going to say that. Though. Very true. <laughs> ask around. You can ask more. people what they, what they charge. Just. If you're if it's fifteen dollars an hour, you are not charging enough.
3: No.
1: <laughs> there are people who've been doing this longer than I have, and they don't charge nearly as much as I do. And I'm just like, dang, you can you're way more famous than me. Uh-huh. Ask for more money. Come on, you can do it.
3: Right.
1: So just ask for more money, please. Just do it. Please. Um That is all the questions that I personally have. Um, I don't know how much time exactly we have left, but I do know that there are some people who have posted questions in the
0: comments. Hi Uh, everybody, I'm Indy, how's it going? Um, I'm gonna pull up some questions in chat for you since uh, uh, I know you had a bunch of questions. Okay, and it'll pop up on the screen. It's like magic, here we go, Boop. look at that. How often do you update your portfolio of work while also making content to keep your presence in social media?
3: So I'm I'm a big fan of screenshot Saturday and like you can't hit every Saturday but definitely like I try to do at least every other Saturday or so and just whatever I did that week and sometimes it's something small sometimes I like to do videos but screenshots work too it's just like hey I'm working on a thing and then you share it out there and people like it or whatever and then you know you move on to the next screenshot Saturday but um but yeah I try to do it at least every two weeks but also I'm not I don't like hard and fast rules I just think. That's just kind of the cadence I've learned that works for me.
0: Who else wants to chime in? How often do you update your uh, portfolio of work, Akash?
5: Uh, So for me, actually, uh, social media and portfolio are the same. I see no difference between the two. Um, So as I post on Instagram, that's part of my portfolio, because honestly, most of the time people will not go to my website, click a thing like, oh, you did this game, cool. they will just see like, oh, you recorded a balloon, neat come on board. Like that's 99% of the time, how it goes. They see one quick thing. They've heard mm-hmm. that like, I'm a charming cherub of a person and that's enough. So usually that social media th- and portfolio thing are pretty much
0: the same thing for me. Yeah. Okay. So constant. Well, we would ask, we would ask, so but he uh, disappeared. So <laughs> let's ask Chell. What about you? Oh, geez. Uh, I wasn't prepared for this. I, I mean, to answer some stuff, <laughs> I,
1: yeah. I mean, every time I come out with something new, I'm like, I did this thing. Here it is. Social yeah. media, post, post, post. And, and I update my website, which is kind of just like a running list of like the works that I've done. And I have a more like finished list of like that is more detailed. But in general, it's just like whenever I finish a thing. And if I have no thing that I'm really working on, I make a thing to work on. <laughs> <laughs> like Here's this EP, AKA yep. when I didn't have a job.
0: So. That's awesome. What about you, Laura?
2: Yeah. I'm just like, the second I have permission, the second I'm allowed to bam oh up on my Twitter, up on my Instagram, it mm-hmm. goes up the second I can just cause there's, there's no point in holding off. If you've got the work, like I, you're not, I don't really know what you'd be waiting for. unless Sharing. there's like <laughs> Exactly. Like no one's going to see your stuff unless it's up there. So yeah. and unless yeah. there's like a event to show off your work as an artist, you got to just post it. Once it's done, do it.
4: And to that point, I would prioritize, and this is partially me uh, trying to assuage my own guilt by giving out professional advice. But you also have to prioritize what's the most important portfolios to be updating. So on one hand, you could be, you know, setting up a very fancy, very nice portfolio site uh, or you could have a bop in social media that's consistently getting you work. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you, you're, you always have a limited amount of time. So figuring out what is bringing in the most concrete results is a really good avenue of also determining where your time should be going. Mm-hmm. And this is why my website is all temp text. It says mm-hmm. insert, <laughs> insert <laughs> first project here. Insert second project here. I hate
0: you
1: and <laughs> right. social media blue check mark over here oh,
0: awesome. and I, I mean I've been a 3D animator and I've been a lead animator and stuff and one thing that's super important is you are only as good as your worst piece of whatever right so mm. if you have like a demo reel or you have a portfolio and you've got like nine awesome things and then one thing that's kind of meh everyone's gonna think you're meh so get rid of that thing Get rid of it. It's better to have a short, short portfolio or a short reel with awesome stuff than to have like some mediocre stuff and then one or two awesome things. I just have, a, I have seen sense.
4: and also I've, I've been the person in the room for these things. I've had freelance. I've rejected freelancers and had seen freelancers get rejected off of that one mediocre piece in their portfolio.
0: Yeah. yeah so. And that's
4: it. And that is one really nice thing about social media, because things are always going by, there's always another thing, it's taken as ephemeral, as opposed to if you put this up on your art station and you think this is great, and it's not great.
0: Ta-da, yeah. All right, let's get, what, what are we looking at for time? Nah, it's only Victoria Tran from Among Us, she can wait, no. <laughs> um, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll do one more question here. How often do you network with people within your craft? versus those outside of your craft? And how does your networking approach different, dependent on who you're talking to? Let's start with Chell. Oh, geez. Uh, Come on. You've been asking uh, questions this whole time. I I network with many industry
1: people for like 15 hours across, I would say across a week, but we all, you all know it's in literally one day. Yeah. Um, And for audio people specifically, I find that networking with them, you probably end up talking shop more often. And honestly, I find talking shop just kind of boring. I think that you're more likely to get hired by people outside of of the field in audio. But that's not necessarily even the case, even if you're a composer. Uh, Recently, I was approached by someone to help out with a score. And uh, I have also been talked to for, like, someone who's like, hey, if we might need to do, like, uh, we might want to reach out to you for potentially something. So uh, don't close yourself off to that. But definitely, 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 definitely talk to people outside of your industry or outside of your 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 specialty so that people know who the heck you are in, like, the greater game dev world. Right. That's my advice, at least.
0: Right. Because even if you're networking within, like all of musicians, yes, everyone's friends, but people are also competing with each other, right. right? So, but they help each other out, but still competing a little bit. There's still a little competition. Um, I would love to go on, but I guess Victoria Tran is ready. I want to thank you all. This has been an amazing, uh, amazing panel. I've been a free ma- freelancer for like 13, a lot of years, more than 10. And so, and I work from home too. So I, everything you were all talking about, I can 100% relate to mm-hmm. everybody that's in here. Hang out. We're going to have Victoria Chan from among us, Victoria Tran. I'm sorry, from among us, uh, the community manager, she's going to be hanging out with us. Thank you all for coming to the Indie Game Business Conference.
4: Mm-hmm. Thank you. The, the light Thank I you. got so that love you the all. light would be garbage arrived <laughs> just as the thing was ending.
3: <laughs> oh, Jesus, <laughs> please. And then no. the voice
0: gets like this right no. at the end. Oops. In the world. All right. 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 I love right. you
4: all.
3: Thank, Thank you. you.